This is Suno India Production. You can now listen to all our episodes on our Android and iPhone app. Download it now. As sun is crawling behind the mountains in westward and darkness begins to engulf the area, Rubina has a few tasks to complete before she can retire for the day. Rubina is in her 20s. She is surrounded by her children as she makes a goat outside on her lawn come shed that is fenced by twigs brought by the nearby forest. She lives in a village in Hanwara area of Kupwara district of Kashmir. Her children are young, just 4 and 10 years old. Still the age where they depend on their mother. One of them is wailing and she has to take care of them alone. Her husband, Muhammad Shafi, a laborer, has not returned from home yet, from work yet. She is literally thousands of kilometers away from the place she grew up in, in Bharaipur, a small town in West Bengal's 24th Paragon. She was just 14 when she got married. She was brought to Juma and Kashmir under some pretext, in her case, to visit a relative, and then suddenly confronted with men who wanted to marry her. This is clearly trafficking. Hello, this is me Rayaz, reporting for this episode of the Snow India Show. I report on the story of trafficked brides in Kashmir. They are sold off for 10,000 to 30,000 rupees. These women are brought from poorer parts of India, mostly Bihar, Bengal and Uttar Pradesh, to Kashmir. This has been happening for decades now. But for various reasons, their stories have not been told until more recently. Though their marriages are recognized, they stand out in Kashmiri society as different and are extremely vulnerable in a place where they do not have any family. Many like Rubina were brought when they were so young that they have forgotten their mother tongue and can only speak Kashmiri and Urdu at times. I spoke to three women who were trafficked and are now living in the same village as Rubina for years now. I have changed the names of these women to protect their privacy. I also spoke to Tarushka Sarvesh, who is the assistant professor at Advanced Center for Women's Studies, Aligarh Muslim University. She has conducted research in Kashmir with such traffic. I was strict, I was deceived. I was told by my stepmother that she has a sister here and so she told me to go to the sister for a visit. And then I was married off here. This is Rubina. Her Dusima is her stepmother. Her mother died when she was very young. Her stepmother told her that she is sending her to her own elder sister in Kashmir. And that's how Rubina sat in a train along with her stepmother's father to Kashmir. She feels cheated. She was taken to Patan, a town in Baramula district, where several men came to see her. She used to talk to her father. I don't know if she spoke to someone here in Kashmir. And then I reached Patan and I was supposed to get married. Many boys came there, but I didn't find anyone attractive. A deal was done with the driver, but the transaction did not work. I was not willing. I was weeping most of the time. 
and then arrived Shafi. My heart was not even with him, and I thought instead of being sold to any other scoundrel, it's better to marry him. He is also poor, and a poor person will take care of me. The wealthy ones do not take care as much as the poor. Do. Then I married him, and thanks to Allah, I'm happy. Rubina was so young when she got married. She says she was childish at the time she got married, but her mother-in-law took care of her. I was married at a very young age. I was just fourteen, you know, very young. I had no idea what home and family was. My mother-in-law would cook, and I used to just play and have fun. Hi, Sosdeva Padbat. Pados like a bashirne sadganda. If there are memories of the days gone by still the mind Rubina tries to forget them with children and a husband who looks after her well she is happy now and has only once visited her ancestral home in the last 10 years May I be close Then I asked her about the memories of childhood days Rubina now mother of five says that she prefers Kashmir now and wants to forget everything about her childhood I left my childhood behind the day I got married. If I recall those days, then I don't have to stay here. I've forgotten everything. I do not go there. Even though my husband tells me that we should visit. She says she is content and says that she cannot hope much in her life. I know that I don't have a mother. How will I fulfill my dreams? Over the years, due to absence of conversation in Bengali, Rubina has not only forgotten her mother tongue, but she rarely even speaks in Urdu. usually locals when interacting with people from mainland india you would think that rubina is not so badly off because she is happy now right she was sold that's illegal and unethical but now in a good place how do we really understand this i asked tarushika to help me understand the complicated issue of trafficking for marriage in kashmir so uh trafficking for marriage uh is the most invisible form of trafficking as you must have also noticed by now um because uh it falls in line with the cultural parameters uh, and it's very difficult to identify um you know by the locals also to recognize and plus the mindset that we have that anything uh, for marriage is is an act of dignity then most of the cases we came across were uh from the lowest lowest rung of the society where people were either having male especially were either either having some sort of physical condition or they could not afford uh um, the kind of marriages which are expected in society uh, so uh sometimes for labor sometimes for taking care of the family members sometimes just to um have a support system or because it's an obligation that you have to go through a social obligation of marriage uh which you can't afford or people are not willing to have alliances with you so it becomes easy to uh, get someone from outside um 
uh, whose whereabouts would not be uh, known or would not be clear to the local population and the pressure of justification uh, would not be uh, felt as much. So that is one reason uh, of trafficking that, of course, the, the uh, economic structure, which makes people vulnerable, uh, and it is for both the groups, a family of origin and family of destination because both the families, the common factor is the economic factor uh, and the factors of physical condition. The process of bride trafficking typically begins with the recruitment of women from their home states. Traffickers often target vulnerable women whose families are very poor. The majority of the victims of bride trafficking in Kashmir are from the eastern Indian states of West Bengal, Assam, Uttar Pradesh, Bihar and Jharkhand. These states have high levels of poverty, illiteracy and unemployment, making women from these states particularly vulnerable to trafficking. The women are told that they will have a well-paying job or a better life in Kashmir. They are told that, you know, it's going to be a good life and it's going to be a beautiful place. So some people have this image of Kashmir as, as you know, as it's projected in films and songs. And, you know, so, of course, the, they are um, given this illusion uh, that their lives are going to be better because, as I said, they uh, belong to uh, the lowest strata of the society, economically a weaker section. So, uh, if you tell them that it, it's going to be uh, a luxurious life and uh, they're going to have all the facilities and their lives are going to improve exponentially, women's vulnerability is exploited in such situations. This, this aspiration of a better life uh, also guides um, uh, many people's directions in life. So that is also one case. Some people have also gone with friends. Uh, and they didn't realize what's going to happen to them. So they uh, people promised that it's going to be a fully funded trip uh, and a travel plan. So that is also one way of uh, tricking people into this. Once the women are recruited, they are taken to Kashmir, where they are often sold to local families looking for brides. In many cases, the women are forced into marriage against their will. And they may face a range of abuse and exploitation, including physical and sexual violence. The transaction reportedly happens for a sum of rupees 10,000 to 30,000, as I mentioned earlier. The fact that women are not aware of their own condition or robs them of their most basic rights. So it's not uh, a voluntary step. So it's not that they are, uh, they are leaving their... Uh, family of origin and they're voluntarily coming uh, and um, marrying in Kashmir or for that matter uh, any other place. So first of all it's not a, a voluntary act. So most of these women are not even aware of their situation. So um, <clears throat> it's like a violation that robs victims of their most basic rights and their dignity as a human being because they're not even aware of what is happening to them. Uh, in, um, in some cases the family of origin is uh, directly involved in selling um, these women in other cases, these women uh, are uh, um, mis misled and uh, taken to Kashmir and then they realize that now there is um, uh, no way out uh, from that situation. So sometimes they try to make peace with their situation. So it's not that. Um, and another thing is uh, when people in Kashmir I met um, or most of the places where uh, trafficking happens for marriage, 
people feel that if there is no domestic violence, if there is um, no exploitation as such, visible exploitation, as we say, uh, what's the problem in that? So people don't understand that uh, the first step itself is is robbing them of their uh, basic human rights because they're not even aware of their situation and how where it's going to uh, lead to. 25-year-old Hasina was born and brought up in Howrah, West Bengal, and was sold off like Rubina. Her first marriage did not last long because she said she was unhappy. She then moved to her older sister's house, who was also sold off and married off like her to a Kashmiri. I asked her if she is happy in her second marriage. Come on. It's a compulsion. One has to remain happy. Actually, his family members are not good. I'm happy with my husband, but others in the family are not good. They tell him to leave me. She's not a good girl. I said I have no objection. Leave me. When asked if given a chance of going back to ancestral home, Hasina in a cracked voice said she longs to return but what is holding her back is the only daughter who is her reason to live. My heart wishes to go back. What should I do? I have a small daughter and I do not have enough money. The sword of divorce always remains hanging on her head. She has to worry about her daughter now in a place where she barely has any relatives. Hasina is facing hostility and domestic violence from her in-laws and has nobody really to turn to. There are uh, cases uh, where domestic violence has happened and women used to wait. For example, I met a, a few women in Kulgam. I met a few women uh, in, in Baramula where women waited for their husbands or family members to go um, uh, to work and then they, they could speak about it and uh, they could not tell uh, or share their experiences with anyone um, at the local level because um, people would not trust them. They felt that there would be trust issues. People would trust their people uh, more and their community people because of the cultural affiliation more than the women who have come from outside. So uh, they felt that there is lack of trust at that level, that their narrative or their version uh, will be uh, considered authentic or not. So that is one concern because of which women are not able to share. So it, they feel that it might spoil their chances further or they feel that they are in hope of, uh, you know, um, getting a better life for their children if they have children. So they feel that if they share their cases, maybe their children would also be uh, mistreated or uh, they might not get uh, their share or their due uh, later on. So they try to um, keep silent on these issues. Apart from that, there were issues, there were cases uh, which were um, narrated on the field that uh, if uh, a woman, uh, you know, is thrown out of the family and she's labeled as, uh, 
mentally disturbed. Uh, so it's easy to do that because these are the consequences. Nobody is there to keep a check on those families. Uh, so women's lives are totally dependent on the uh, family of marriage and uh, there is no one who is going to check on them. So that is uh, the biggest vulnerability they're facing. So if their lives um, are going violence-free and they are uh, able to uh, manage somehow and make peace with it, it's fine. But of course, the vulnerability quotient is always very high because there is no one to check on them. So uh, they are living on the edge. So um, you know, any day something can happen and there won't be anyone to check on them to uh, keep a track of their lives. So that level of vulnerability always exists. And we've seen that there are uh, these uh, circumstances have been exploited by um, uh, many families. And there are other cases in which the middle person has come back um, to these families and asked for these women to be, uh, you know, transacted uh, for, for another family but in some cases uh the 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 community people uh, they came together and they resisted uh the, the middle person and they uh, saved the uh, girls from uh, further exploitation and um, this kind of a trade so there have been there are multiple cases there are multiple realities but uh, the vulnerability quotient is always high because they are completely dependent on this particular family and uh, their life chances are totally dependent on these and defined by uh, these families and there's no one else to keep a track of their lives trafficking for forced marriage is a crime in the country section 366 of the indian penal code talks about kidnapping abducting or inducing a woman to compel her marriage and this section attracts punishment of up to 10 years in jail. The National Crime Records Bureau collects data on forced marriage. The data from 2021 shows that of the nearly 5,500 cases of human trafficking reported, only 182 cases of forced marriage were recorded. Jammu and Kashmir recorded just two cases in 2021. Experts believe that the actual numbers may be much higher as many cases of trafficking go unreported. So uh, trafficking for marriage uh, is the most invisible form of trafficking. Um, when we talk about trafficking to Kashmir particularly. So trafficking is happening uh, in, in most of the Indian states. And in fact, Kashmir, the reported trafficking falls much below uh, the levels of other states. But uh, we can't go by the reporting as such uh, because uh, the Crime Records Bureau, first of all, the way states are being um, uh, categorized in terms of trafficking. Uh, when two states are involved, uh, when three states are involved, for example, um, how, how many times are, are you going to count the state of origin, the state of destination? Uh, so it creates complication in itself. Um, so we don't have uh, the exact scale, as you said of uh, uh, the extent of trafficking in Kashmir, uh, especially related to uh, cases of marriage. Uh, apart from that, as you said, the timeline, uh, we see that there are women um, 70 years old, 80 years old, and some have died. Um, so it's not a recent uh, phenomenon for sure. In 2019, when officially I started this 
um, research work. Uh, uh, one thing was that it was difficult to establish uh, because, uh, as I said, that reporting is not there. So it's very difficult to uh, call these cases as traffic cases unless you understand the process and you understand the international definitions. For example, United Nations Office on Drugs and Crime, uh, they have also uh, revealed the complications of uh, uh, these linkages between trafficking and marriage. There, people feel that uh, marriages, um, it involves a lot of money and uh, local families uh, of the region might not want to um, have marriage alliances. Plus, marriage itself is, is a huge issue and you, you can only have a dignified life when you are married uh, for a male and a female both. Uh, so these concerns are common in most of uh, the other states as well. Uh, so, but in uh, Turmoil zones, what happens that corruption levels are high, are very high in compared to um, other states or other relatively peaceful states. So it's easy to, uh, you know, navigate through these rules and regulations and scrutiny. So that makes it more vulnerable for both, for the insiders, outsiders. So uh, turmoil zones, because of um, high corruption rates, because of... Uh, uh, you know, lack of scrutiny, lack of accountability of the state system itself, um, it goes unnoticed and it becomes even more rampant. The problem has also been neglected by human rights organizations and mainstream media. Tarushka spoke about this. It seems that human rights activists in Kashmir feel the issue of trafficking for marriage in Kashmir may not be front and centre. Most of the human rights activists remain caught up in helping the local communities with the cases of disappearance and other similar issues and constant uncertainties in the region. People rarely focus on gender issues as specific issues of importance, more so when it concerns the issues of women trafficked to Kashmir from other states. This is another reason why uh, this issue remains relegated behind other issues. In comparison to other states, Kashmir has more pressing human rights concerns because of the upheavals in its political security environment. Often such issues get rationalized based on the variable of its social functionality. Activists, media personnel and the larger civil society also feel that the gravity of the issues in which state agencies are suspected of violations is much more than other issues. The Trafficking of Persons Prevention, Protection and Rehabilitation Bill that has been passed in the Lok Sabha in 2018 has defined trafficking for marriage under aggravated trafficking. However, Tarushka said that we need to focus on measures that are not just punitive action. The definition of trafficking has been improved and they have worked on the, you know, different aspects of trafficking. Aggravated trafficking and other forms of trafficking have been included in this bill. So we still uh, are in the process of finalizing uh, an act um, regarding this. So especially for Kashmir, uh, we need a separate 
commission i feel for this situation which not only penalizes or doesn't just believe in rescue and raid raid and rescue operations and just rehabilitation because all the women might not want to be rescued there are different situations and they, it might make them even more vulnerable and we've seen that many uh, in many cases women who were rescued uh, they couldn't uh, come out of the loop and they remained in their in that situation after a few years again so we need to think about these issues uh, with more depth and involvement uh, rather than having uh, of course on paper we need laws it's not that we don't need laws of course but along with these laws we also need uh, better agencies which are not just investigative agencies but also agencies we are which are trying to do uh, the analysis of the process and try and locate the you know different stages and uh, the the root causes uh, of this uh, violation so apart from legislative uh, action legal provisions of course which have to be uh, concretized um, uh, so apart from that we also need to uh, see the the welfare aspect of it you know investing in people uh, which will lead to justice then there are other issues like these women they have they wanted uh, some assistance from their uh, place of origin also so there are two states involved for example uh, if there is uh, you know one state is kashmir one state let's say bihar bengal or any other state so if there are two states involved so these women also wanted that their children uh, should be given uh, at least free education and some assistance and this should come from both the states not just one state we can't just keep saying kashmir 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 but uh, we won't hold accountable any other state the state of origin so that is also so the, the police in those states the how come uh, these transactions are happening people are being either abducted or transacted or duped so uh, the place of origin is equally uh, important to you know for accountability purposes so both the states have to be involved uh, to find a better solution uh, for these women and these women who have made peace with their situation and who couldn't come out or they were um, uh, they have somehow built their lives but for their children they want some assistance and this assistance should come from uh, both the states involved the state of origin the state of destination both these states uh, have uh, indulged in violation of uh, basic human rights of these women so we need to uh, think about transformative justice and not just focus on uh, legal provisions and uh, police so we need to see how to have uh, community support systems to address the root causes of crime and uh, creating infrastructures of care to address the problem of bride trafficking experts recommend a range of interventions including increased awareness and education about the dangers of trafficking the provision of social and economic support to vulnerable women and the strengthening of law enforcement and legal frameworks to prosecute traffickers and provide protection to victims mm-hmm.